Hi, my name is Elisa Chang. I am a technical advisor on mental health and psychosocial support at the IFRC Reference Center for Psychosocial Support. And you are listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross and Red Crescent movement working with mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, we are going to talk about vaccine hesitancy. More than one and a half years into the pandemic, most of the world are still struggling in the battle of COVID-19, despite the advances in the development of the vaccines. Today, we are happy to have Melanie Powell, technical advisor at the PS Center, to come and share with us about the important and interesting topic of vaccine hesitancy. Welcome, Melanie. Thank you so much, Eliza. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. Thank you, Eliza. Well, I know that you have been um, in the team of putting together um, uh, MHPSS training on vaccine hesitancy. Can you tell us a bit more? What exactly is vaccine hesitancy? Thanks so much, Eliza. This is the perfect opening question. So vaccine hesitancy actually refers to a delay in acceptance or a refusal to get a vaccine despite it being available. And this idea about it, despite it being available, is quite important because if someone doesn't get a vaccine and it's not available, then we wouldn't say that they were hesitant. They were, we would say they're unvaccinated. Or if they can't get the full schedule of a vaccination, we'd say they're undervaccinated. So I think the, the uh, other interesting part about this um, idea or concept of vaccine hesitancy is it's also defined as a motivational state that someone has. So in essence, it means that people choose or have a choice about whether they're hesitant or not hesitant towards getting a vaccination. And this can be influenced their motivational state by quite a number of different factors. Yeah. And what exactly are those factors who affect whether or not somebody will feel hesitant or not about the vaccination? Yeah, good follow-up question. Um, I think uh, globally, they, there's about three kind of large categories or drivers of vaccine hesitancy. And if I just uh, go through these, they are number one, like social influences, like what people think and feel. Number two would be individual motivations. And three would be an enabling environment. So just let me explain a little bit further what this means. So when we talk about um, social influences and what people think and feel, as I mentioned, vaccine hesitancy is also a motivational state. So a lot of things can affect that state. For example, um, if we um, feel really strongly about um, or we're very fearful of getting the vaccination, this can um, make us feel more hesitant towards it. Or if we're, we have worries or concerns about side effects um, of the vaccination, or if there's different rumours going around about a vaccination, this could promote us or delay us or lead to a refusal to get vaccinated. So that's kind of those social influences. Then we also have... Um, more of the social influences and pressures could be, for example, people can be influenced by provider recommendations. So, for example, if a healthcare provider or a leader in your community had a particular view on a vaccination, this can influence your own view through a social process. And there's quite a lot of uh, social processes that, that can go into motivating someone to get a vaccination. And then right. the third... Yeah. Yeah, sorry. And then the third area I mentioned was about the enabling environment. 
So even though a vaccination might be available, you need to have that enabling environment for people to be able to access the vaccination. And what I mean by that is there can be particular barriers that make people hesitant. For example, these could be related to cost. So maybe the vaccination is free, but you need to take a day off work to attend the vaccination and you won't be paid for that. Or you need to take a bus journey that's going to cost you a lot of money or find somewhere one to take care of your caring responsibilities. So then right. it ends up being a costly um, um, uh, thing for you to get a vaccination and, and also other enabling factors such as, for example, I know some countries are offering incentives to get vaccinations like financial or otherwise. And, and likewise, there can be intrinsic um, incentives to get vaccinated or not. For example, being vaccinated might mean that you can join particular social or work events or conversely, not being vaccinated um, might allow you to, to stay with your community who also has anti-vaccination views and values. So in a right. nutshell, that's uh, just like a quick overview of some of the things that can influence. It's quite a complex area of vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting to know about like there's a range of factors that may really affect people's attitude towards um, like taking the vaccine. And just now you also mentioned about uh, like the potential costs of uh, taking the vaccines because you have to take like a day or two uh, like work days off. Um, you also have the economic impact onto that. And in some other uh, like cities or uh, regions, they may also have some like financial monetary incentives for people to to take the vaccines so all of this could like uh, go into the whole picture of whether or not eventually this person will make the decision of uh, getting the vaccines yeah that's absolutely right yeah yeah and just now you also mentioned about the rumors um uh, i guess we have been hearing a lot of different stories about the vaccines and do you regard like the vaccines hesitancy as a global phenomenon Absolutely. So what all the um, literature is showing and what we're hearing as well is that in every country in the world, vaccine hesitancy is a phenomenon, um, but it presents a little bit differently in different countries, particularly what people are concerned about or what influences them or what incentives or enabling environment might assist them to, to be more positive towards a vaccination or to feel more hesitant and maybe, maybe I could actually even throw it back to you, Elisa, because I know you work in the Asia-Pacific region. So what kind of uh, factors, if I'm not putting you on the spot too much, um, are you finding in the Asia-Pacific region are influencing hesitancy or what sort of rumours uh, are you coming across? Yes, we have been hearing like a lot of different versions of rumors and stories about the vaccines. And you are right, um, like the version of the stories could be uh, like different in different regions. But uh, in general, they could be related to like several categories. Uh, some of the rumors would be related to like the side effect um, of the vaccines. Uh, people may get sick or people may even die after uh, like getting the vaccination. I guess this would be uh, one of the major barriers for people when they are considering whether or not to get vaccinated. In some other um, uh, situations, maybe the lack of the, um, the efficacy or um, they're not so sure about whether or not the vaccines are effective in protecting them. Um, so those kind of stories are also affecting like how people uh, are thinking about the vaccines. 
And it's also because of the fact that um, COVID-19 has only been with us uh, for within two years. And also the vaccine development has been um, doing for like for such a very short time, people are worried about the long-term effect of some of the vaccines. Maybe for now, because we don't know about um, like what are some of the potential side effects in five or 10 years. So people are quite worried about uh, those situations. Yeah, so you're finding there's kind of a, a lot of different rumors and also a lot of um, uncertainty and things that we can't definitely say yes or no to being accurate about. And obviously that's affecting um, people's desire to get motivated and their confidence in the vaccines. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes when we are talking to um, our fellow MHPSS colleagues uh, in from different countries, um, they also reported back some of the um, like stories or versions of rumors in in their countries. Uh, so we we find some of the some of the rumors are quite country specific, uh, but for others they are more like general. Um, in, in some more like general uh, category of rumors would be related to how the medical personnel has been explaining about the effect and also the side effects of the vaccines. Because of those like contradictory information, sometimes people found uh, maybe on the news or maybe from the social media. So it also uh, like harm their, their confidence in, in taking the vaccine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I guess this is not just uh, related to Asia Pacific region, but also for, like for all over the world. Yes, I definitely that's what I've been finding, and um, I, I'm based in Iceland myself, and we have some very specific rumors here, which are um, about women's fertility and the vaccine, mm. which I which I haven't seen in my home country of Australia. So it's quite a lot of differences, and and there in Australia, there's there's different rumors playing out. Right, indeed. So this is why it's very important for us to um, like really look into this situation and to uh, understand more like the reasons behind people's attitude and uh, their preferences. Mel, I know that you have been conducting uh, some trainings on psychological first aid uh, for vaccine hesitancy. Can you tell us a bit more? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very excited to tell you a bit more about this, actually. So um, the PS Centre um, developed a training package, which is um, it's it's like a psychological first aid to support people who are feeling vaccine hesitant. And I think just first before I forget it, I'll mention that the training package is available on the PS Centre website. Um, www.peercenter.org and it's freely downloadable. It has slides, it has um, speaker notes and you can just adapt that for your own national society. And I know many national societies have been running this training. For example, it's been translated into Spanish and it's um, uh, Latin American national societies have been running this training also into Georgian and other languages as well. But what this training is actually about, going back to your actual question, um, is it's it's designed to um, assist people to learn or to deepen their skills in psychological first aid to support people who are feeling vaccine hesitant. And this mm. particular training is specific to the COVID-19 vaccination, but it's actually applicable to any vaccination. Right. And, and um when I talk to people about this training, they often ask me, so why why psychological first aid? Why would you take that approach to um, working with vaccine hesitancy? And the, um, there's a few reasons. And um, 
I'll just mention a couple. And these are that um, psychological first aid has been shown to be quite effective in helping people who are feeling distressed. And obviously people who are vaccine hesitant are experiencing some, or potentially people who are vaccine hesitant are experiencing distress. And it helps people to feel more calm and supported and more able to take control of their own decisions and therefore make decisions that are in their own best interests. And another reason why the PS Centre selected psychological first aid as the approach is that, as we mentioned, vaccine hesitancy is a global phenomenon and there's like literally millions of people around the world who feel hesitant. Now, mm. there's not enough psychologists or healthcare providers to speak to everyone who's vaccine hesitant. And likewise, people who are hesitant may not want to speak to a healthcare provider, but rather someone who's more a peer or on their own level. So with psychological first aid, you can train, uh, anyone can be trained in this approach and therefore we can uh, have a much greater reach um, speaking to and supporting and interacting with people who are vaccine hesitant when we use psychological first aid as the approach. Right. And um, I think finally, I might, I might just mention that um, uh, a lot of the research that the Peer Centre did around like what approach we would use and also the, the methodologies and the techniques within the training is not only um, based on, on the solid research we have around vaccine hesitancy, but also uh, there's been a lot of research around conspiracy theories. And what we find mm. from this research is just presenting people with the facts um, is actually not enough to uh, assist people with their vaccine hesitant views or with their conspiratorial views. You no. actually need to go uh, much further than that and build trust with people and help people feel calm and help people feel supported. And these are exactly the outcomes that you achieve when working through uh, the methodology of psychological first aid. So there was quite a big um, back thought process within the PS Centre about why we would choose this approach and the content of the training. Yeah, when you when you mentioned about the, that um, facts itself, uh, are not enough. Um, I guess from our experience, we have been seeing a lot of arguments among friends and families um, when they when they have different views on um, mm -hmm. the vaccination. Then they are just like throwing different like evidence um, to to argue among themselves, mm -hmm. and we we are seeing that that's not helpful. No, no, no. I, yeah. I, and 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 that's why if we go back to what we were talking about earlier about um, you know these different areas that. Um, that can make people vaccine hesitant. It's not just information. It's also, you know, those social pressures. It's also the enabling environment and it's your own internal motivation. So just information alone uh, won't, won't convince someone to change their mind or won't open someone's uh, worldview to a different perspective. Right. But your like relationship with them, um, your willingness to like listen to their ideas, um, like this trusting um, environment for them to share their feelings. I guess all these things count uh, when we are uh, going into this topic on vaccine hesitancy. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, actually. And right. uh, if I um, if I kind of had some tips for people yeah. on, on uh, that would be great on like how to work with someone who is vaccine hesitant, it's uh, pretty much exactly what you were just saying, um, that uh, 
okay, if I kind of think of my top five tips, maybe it would be to uh, to kind of normalize vaccine hesitancy. Um, because uh, as we know, it's a global phenomenon and anyone can feel hesitant to the COVID-19 vaccine or different vaccinations. And, um, and, and actually it's quite healthy to take a cautious approach to new things. So first it's important to just normalize uh, feeling hesitant because many people feel ashamed or isolated or um, about being hesitant because there's so much promotion that everyone should take this vaccine and, and whatever, so they can feel quite ostracized. Um, and then I would say also, um, as you mentioned, Elisa, like building trust is really important. Mm. And one one very uh, quick way to do that, which uh, is a method we use through psychological first aid and, and generally in the MHPSS approach, is to find common ground with someone. And this might be that you also felt nervous about taking the vaccine, or it might be, oh, we both like cats, or we both don't like shopping or whatever it is. It doesn't matter what you feel, find common ground on. The commonalities, but, right? Yeah, but mm. and and then once you find that with someone, they feel um, what they it starts to build a trusting relationship, and people feel more open to engage with you and and see that you're someone that they could share some views with or listen to. And then I think you you also mentioned the importance of um, really taking that time to understand what people are thinking and why, because as you mentioned with the the different uh, rumors that you've come across, they can be quite different. And it's only once you know and understand the reasons why that particular person you're working with is hesitant, can you start providing them um, helpful information and being really supportive towards them. And right. then I think, uh, you know, if I if I had more tips, it's mostly just about being really um, open and polite and respectful in your interactions with people who are vaccine hesitant. I know some people have quite hardline views either way, but mm. keeping that dialogue really respectful um, helps to, to open someone's mind to engaging with you. If we attack someone just very naturally, they tend to pull back and be less open to listening to a different perspective and less open to engaging in a conversation. And right. they just kind of like a further element of that is um, of this being open and polite and respectful is also validating genuine concerns that someone might have about the vaccine. And as you mentioned, um, you know, there are a lot of unknowns and it's okay to say, you know, it's it's fine to feel uncertain about these things and, or validate some genuine concerns they have if they fall into a particular risk category with a vaccine or something like that. Because when we uh, are just very respectful and recognize people's genuine concerns, they're more open to listening to new information that they might be presented with. So I, I think that's probably, you know, my kind of top tips on a, on a quick blush. Um, and uh, what else could I say? You, they, you they are very interesting indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I can't like help but thinking. So during the training, uh, basically um, you, you're not training people how to convince others to take the vaccine. But instead, we are actually telling them um, to nurture the environment for people to uh, to be able to take in new information, uh, to have the genuine uh, like conversation with, uh, with, with somebody, right? That's absolutely correct. So the, the training is not at all about changing someone's mind. It is about creating that nurturing environment, as we would do with any other issue that we might work with um, with someone in in the mental health and psychosocial support field. 
Right. And, and also during the training, um, because in, in Asia Pacific, we have conducted uh, this training once uh, together with you. Um, I guess it's also very interesting for people to also role play different scenarios and how are you going to respond and to um, uh, like how, how to be uh, like a good listener when someone else is presenting the views that, that could be different from yours. Yeah, absolutely. And I think role playing um, before you get into that difficult situation is really important. Um, I, I've mentioned this before. The first time I met someone who was vaccine hesitant, it was someone I know very well and it quite shocked me um, mm. that they had had a view, this particular view. And I just didn't know what to do. And I was like, um, uh, just let me go and get a cup of tea. And I had to just like compose myself and say, you know, come on, it's just, it's normal to be hesitant and just um, help promote that nurturing environment because they felt open enough to to share their views with me. And then they actually said, this is the first time they talked to someone about those views and they were glad that they could sit down and have someone who would just listen to them. Right. And this is just so natural and uh, is also similar to how we uh, provide psychological first aid in times of other kinds of critical incidents that as a, as a helper or as a listener, first of all, we also need to know how um, I have been doing. Maybe just like in the situation that you've mentioned, when you encounter um, like a, a friend who has been so close to you, but sharing like a different different views, um, like first res like the first reaction could be still uh, a bit shocked, and you may also feel a bit like not sure what to do. I guess mm -hmm. this self awareness is uh, is always the first step. Yeah, absolutely. And and in that phase where you're feeling a bit shocked that, you know, one of the really great things you can do is just take a deep breath and try and, you know, center yourself and, and get ready for that conversation. Or just to be honest and say, you know, I'm not really comfortable talking about this topic, um, would, you know, and maybe refer them to, to uh, someone who would be uh, suitable to talk to. Like, for example, in my own country, there is a, a helpline uh, that people can call if they have questions about vaccination. So that's where I would direct people in my home country if I didn't feel comfortable talking about the, this particular topic. Right. Wow. This is uh, such an interesting uh, topic and training. And uh, as, as you just mentioned just now, uh, people who are interested should also like go to our website and to um, take a look at this uh, training protocol. So Mel, like, do you have any last remarks on this um, very interesting topic about vaccine hesitancy before we uh, complete the session today? Uh, I think... Um... I can't think of something like magical to say, but I think, you know, a lot of times when we're working with people who's, who are vaccine hesitant, um, they are people that we know quite well and might be close mm -hmm. to. It's those conversations with your own family members can be quite difficult, um, difficult on yourself and difficult on the other person. So my advice there is just like be patient um, because both of you will benefit from just being patient and just try to remember that, um, being resistant to the vaccination is an inevitable part of vaccine hesitancy. So just give yourself a break and um, stay present with that person if you can or refer them to other services and, and go easy on yourself if this is not something you feel comfortable talking about. Right. So thank you so much, uh, Melanie, for your sharing today. It's been so inspiring. And I can't uh, wait to um, to hear more about the different stories that we collect uh, when we are rolling out this training in different parts of the world. 
Yeah, thank you so much for your time as well. It's been fantastic talking to you about this topic. Yeah, thank you so much. You have been listening to The Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross Red Crescent Movement staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, we have been talking about the global phenomena of vaccine hesitancy, some of the causes behind it, and some of the tips for us when we are talking to people who are hesitant about vaccination. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Reference Center website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, program materials, educational videos, and information about our upcoming trainings, workshops, and events. My name is Elisa Chang. I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast. Remember that mental health matters.